there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. Hi there, Laguna Beach, oh. Abu Dhabi to Laguna Beach. <laughs> Aloha, Canadian <laughs> to Abu Dhabi. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's an honor to be here. I'm really excited to have this conversation and I've heard great things. And um, this is a good entry point to my initial and first material body visit to the Middle East, going back home where my where my blood is. I've never been, never been in that region. So this you, is exciting for me. Oh, this is exciting for us. I think you might, you're probably the most famous person we've had. So, so <laughs> there you go. It's, it's, a, it's a total trip to, to feel into that because I'm being connected with so many inspiring, passionate people. And, you know, there's been a dark cloud in that region for decades. People just are presuming, presuming something and because of the entire political scene, it's it's just been ridiculous. And now that all that's being uncovered and the propaganda machine's not working quite well, then you really start to reveal what the truth is. And what the truth is, is that there is a, um, there is a huge mystical experience that's happening in the Middle East. It seems to be like a, a rite of passage and a lot of beautiful things are happening. So I'm, uh, I'm honored to be connected with so many beautiful people that are in their passion that care about this life and um, are stewarding. And so that's really exciting, especially with Symbiotica's uh, expansion there. And my brother Borna, it's uh, it's just really amazing time to be alive. And I can't wait to go back home. I mean, I'm from Iran, but I was never, I was born here in America and uh, never been to Iran. I've never been to the Middle East. I've never even gone into that region and it's been heavy on my heart. And to be able to go back with this energy, with this purpose, connected to people like you and people that really care um, about what's going on, it's uh, this is a dream come true. It's exciting. It's exciting to hear you speak about the perception of the Middle East. I've seen that change from North America in my time here in the 15 years, just from complete ignorance to a sort of a recognition that it's this middle of the world and the seat of the world and the and the heart of the world in a lot of ways. So it's really neat to hear you say that. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, that's the beginning point, right? I mean, it's the head of, on top of Africa, and it just goes right into it. And that area is so rich in, you know, I would say in story and so rich in culture. And you have, you know, you have prolific um, the Arabic world and, and all, all that that holds. And then you have the Persian world and what it all meshes in there. It's just, it's brilliant. The colors, the sounds, the foods, the culture. It's about time that that area gets recognition. And it's, it's pretty exciting that the people running the show over there, um, from what I've gathered, and especially in uh, the, the United Arab Emirates world, is they really care about 
things that matter. Like they care about health. <laughs> they care about movement. They care about education. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're putting their regulations in place. So people can leave their doors open and not, not have to worry about petty crime and not have to worry about all of these things. And when you're not in a state of victim and paranoid and scarcity and all that stuff, then all of a sudden you're connecting with people. It changes the entire form of consciousness. And you take a place like San Francisco, which was once, you know, the Haight-Ashbury and the most beautiful place ever and things coming together. You can't even walk in the streets there anymore. And it's, it's become a, it's like a ghost town. And it's, it, it shows you what um, having the right infrastructure does, you know, and I'm not a person who's big on laws and big on all these things, but you have to have some order when you have high dense populations and you have movement and business and all these things. I think they're doing it right. And I'm really excited because I always projected that Dubai was just like materialism, Vegas, this whole thing. And just over the last three, four years, getting the information from close people, it's 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 really evolving into something so much different. And I'm so excited to get over there and to put my feet on the earth and experience that. It's so cool that you say that because... I've heard that for years, you know, and journalists come in for two days and write articles and they're just the same articles. It's a glittering city and there's this, you know, there's a ski hill and a mall and that's it sort of thing. And I always say there are so many people living here from all over doing so many things. There is a huge real scene. All the stuff you mentioned exists as well, right? Like it's, it's very, it's very layered, but there's a lot of people who are, um, you know, not allowed to be in their countries. They're, they're, um, oh my gosh, they're, I'm, I'm missing the word. They're expats. They're, they're expats. Not, but not even expats. There's people in exile. You know, there's, countries, oh, okay. there's people in exile and there's people from countries where they can't live, where they don't have citizenship, where they're not, it's not safe for them to go home. And they've made homes here and they've brought partners and families that are doing all sorts of things. So it's really cool to hear you say that. Okay. Yeah. That's beautiful. Let's talk about your company because. I think a lot of people think supplements and it's like this wall, you know, this confusing wall that you see when you go into the pharmacy, your company is completely different. Can you sort of just give us the ABCs of how you got started and why you're different? Great question. Um, it's a combination of innovation, of trust, of doing things outside of the normal and really having intention to help people. You know, I've been around health my entire life. I've been mentored and tutored and stewarded by some of the most expansive minds in the fields of health, Ayurveda, traditional herbal medicine, Chinese traditional herbal medicine, also allopathic care, combination of all that also understanding um, our genetics and understanding the evolution of the body and things of that nature and farming. And um, I was privileged to have those mentors and also privileged to be introduced to Dr. Rudolf Steiner at such an early age. Dr. Rudolf Steiner created Waldorf education and biodynamic farming. He was a philosopher in the late 1800s into the 1900s, Austrian, clairvoyant, spiritual science, 
and he created a system called anthroposophy, which is the wisdom of man. And with that came a very deep cosmology and connection between the human heart and the development of our faculties of human being and developing free beings with free thought that would get out of the linear mentality, you know, that industrial mentality. So it's literally the antithesis of monocropping and big, big organization building and all, the, all these different things that are destroying the earth and giving you subsidized and, you know, terrible products and ter terrible things. So that way of thinking is what built Symbiotica along with the backs of, you know, brilliant, brilliant minds in entrepreneurship. My um, CEO and business partner, um, his name is Shahab Elmi. He's a childhood friend of mine that reached out to me after I had started Symbiotica about a year into it and said, uh, whatever, a very successful man, biggest heart, and said, whatever you're doing, I just want to be part of it. Let me come in and take the reins of all the business stuff. You continue to do what you're doing, which is building product formulations, being the face of. Oh, he said, he, I remember, I'll never forget. He said, I want my two little girls to remember me for helping the world not for making money. And he had already been very successful and exited a few companies, you know, things of that nature. And he didn't have to do this. Um, this was more something of something in the karma called called on to him. And this is someone I'd known since I was 15 or 16. And we had a gap in our relationship almost 10 years where we didn't really see each other. We we're in our own worlds. And uh, I had just gotten back from a vision quest. You know, I was spending time in the jungles. I had sit with the shamans, I'd gone through initiations, I had died many times, if that makes any sense to you, and um, completely dematerialized into a whole new being. Actually, I, I kind of went back into my 12-year-old self. And so it was a, a radical, radical explosion into the journey of life, and it, it hit me that it was time to make a change in the supplement space. Um, I'm big on foods being your medicine, but I also know that our soil is shot, our hydrological cycle is destroyed, nutrients aren't getting into the food. I don't care if it's organic, uh, that doesn't mean much at this point um, outside of you know, what, we can, what we can consume to be healthy for our body. And so that was the spark of creating Symbiotica. And since then, it's been a roller coaster ride of just so many people jumping on board. I've, you know, have an incredible team around me, an incre incredible feminine in my life that's representing Symbiotica and creating stability um, and a lot of ferocity and fire of really growing this. And we are the fastest growing brand in the world right now in this space, by far, not even close. Our growth over the last three years has broken every record where people can't even understand what we're doing. And we've done that internally in terms of there's no outside capital in Symbiotica. We've completely bootstrapped it, which is which has been tough. But at the same time, it gives us the power to be able to develop things outside of the normal scope that most companies are, you know, in a box with because it's not hitting margins and things like that. We're not a high margin company, but we make that we make the best products. And I, I remember that was part of my, um, I would say, the entry point is like we're not going to sacrifice anything. We're going to make the best. I don't care what our cost basis is. At some point, um, we'll break even. At some point, it's going to work. And it has created this, this trust in the marketplace 
that we really care. And you can see it on how we manufacture things. You can see it in the products. You can see it in the quality. You can see it in the ingredient list. You can see it on how we source things. It's all trust by transparency. You know, I'm super transparent. And it's also, um, we built a, a system where it's about education and really teaching people why these things are important and what they can do for you. My whole thing is that I don't want people to, to hear me speak and go, oh, okay, um, I need to, I, wh what do I need to take? It doesn't work that way. People need to really understand what glutathione is and understand what a tripeptide is and understand what these materials do in the body and how it's the master antioxidant and how it's manufactured endogenously within the liver and other places in the body and how it chelates molds and toxins and heavy metals out of the body and what cycle of the body it's time what what time of the day it's per, is the perfect time to take it understanding our circadian rhythm understanding how our endocrine system works my whole thing is you have to practice your own discernment in order to make a choice that's going to benefit you if you're just listening to someone telling you what to do you might do it for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and then boom you're on to the next thing it's just like, remember in high school or middle school, you, you know, you had some like ridiculous tests that meant nothing to you and you crammed the night before, you aced it the next day and then three, four days later, you couldn't get one of them right because you are you had no intention in there. There was no intention to learn that because you didn't care. It's the same thing I'm seeing with food education and understanding how our bodies work. And so Symbiotica is, is not a supplement brand. We're a movement. We're an educational movement. Um, we just entered what I call Symbiotica 3.0 in terms of product development. Our last couple of formulas that we released are very, very, I would say, outside the box, um, things that have never been done before, um, outside of just our liposomal technology stuff. Um, and we have the most brilliant team. You know, people are, are, are so invested in our, our movement. And now we're spreading out around the world and, you know, to be recognized, um, not as a celebrity out there, but as someone who's helping people, um, has given me a, a level of energy that I, I can't even believe. And it's, uh, it's my inspiration and, wh and why I work so hard and take on so much. And so I'm, I'm, um, I'm really humbled by what's unfolding with what we're doing and the people that are jumping on board and people like you and people that are spreading the good word of health. And my whole thing is that nobody, nobody's coming to save us. You know, this is you're your own doctor, your own scientist. It's all about direct observation. That's a deep mystical perspective. And once people can take that ownership, then they're putting themselves in position to be sovereign in their body and mind and soul. And so Symbiotica is just, it, you know, it's part of the tools. It's part of the toolbox. You know, it's not all about supplements. It's about how you go to sleep. It's about your diet. It's about how you wake up on the rise. It's about how you're affected by all the materialism and the tech technology around you. Are you able to find a balance or are you just sucked into that? You know, there's so many things there that are either taking our body towards the health span and thriving or taking us towards pain, stress, and frustration and going directly into the disease span. These things are very clear and present and understanding how autoimmune and eventually uh, pathologies work is really, really critical. And so 
my, my big thing is fundamentals, 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 and then you pepper on um, supplementation and good food and, and drinking good water and movement and all those things. And so um, it's it's exciting. I'm I'm really excited for uh, the resurgence of health in the Middle East and to be able to just be involved over there and get people into these ways of thinking. I don't think there's any more. I don't think there's a more critical perspective to have than to then the discerning perspective that creates a switch in someone and then all of a sudden they investigate and um this is another thing with with the waldorf teaching is because state-sponsored schools from early age are putting kids at age six and seven in a classroom and then indoctrinating them with information that is almost ridiculous to a seven-year-old and shouldn't even be in their in their sphere of influence they're really turning off children's intuition and children should not be subjected to that type of schooling. Children need to be incubated and grow their own thinking minds and build their own development and be surrounded by art, you know, from, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, before they're thrust into, you know, having to learn rigid way of thinking. And so a lot of the adults now have rigid way of thinkings. You know, we've become so hyper-materialist. That's the new God. You know, the new God is science. We call it scientism. And so I'm a big fan of science, but through the scientific method, you know, creating a hypothesis and testing things and testing things, but not just being so mechanistic in my way of thinking, because then we're missing all the art of life. We're missing the beauty of the world, the natural world. And so my whole, I, I would say my purpose is to bring that back with a proven science and bridging those two worlds because they they work and intersect to perfection but we've we've gotten kind of we've gotten out of balance there when you talk about i mean your podcast is called wake the fake up you talk about discernment <laughs> i love that title by the way when you talk about discernment and and no one's coming how do you if you've been like the way you've been for such a long time how do you speak to people about taking those steps? Like, is it a glimmer? Have you have when you when you've come across someone who seems like they've got the glimmer from putting all of their trust and hope in a system to bringing it back and and the intuition? How how do you bridge that gap in people? How do you help people bridge that gap? Yeah, I, I think it's through these types of conversations. You know, they have to first grasp, wait a second, you know, how, how am I operating? What are the patterns that I'm doing every day? You know, and that's a, we call that a super sensible awareness, which means deep, deep, logical understanding of self. And that's doing a forensic audit on your lifestyle, you know, and really looking at your last 30 days, looking at your last seven days, looking at your last 24 hours looking at your last 12 hours before you go to sleep and seeing, you know, what in my life is causing me angst and stress? How am I escaping in certain, you know, conditions? Who are the people in my life? Are they supportive? Am I supportive of people? Sometimes I'm the problem. You know, there's a lot of like coming to coming to Jesus moment, right? Looking yourself in the mirror and really evaluating self you know we're we're very quick to judge 
and to point fingers and to say the system is terrible and my my partner is terrible and I have the worst friends and it's like victim, victim, victim. And a lot of those are could be accurate. But how long are you going to keep playing that card and 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 embody that? Because you're just in the wheel and you're in your depressive shadow. And so if you're hearing this and you're listening to these words, you know, it might be time to do an audit on yourself and really investigate who you are. And then usually going down those pathways opens up a lot of different um, memories and traumas and things that conditioned you to have this type of experience and to have this compulsive reaction and have this anger and resentment and frustration. And um, it's not a depressing thing. It's just sometimes you got to go through the fire a little bit to make it through. You know, that's part of the alchemy, right? And that's being an alchemist, the philosopher's stone, if people understand what that truly is. It's not about turning material mercury into gold, as the ancient alchemists were trying to do. It's the philosopher's stone is alchemizing what you've gone through and the traumas that you've gone through and turning your consciousness into gold and being able to transmutate a lot of the suffering that is pre-existing in your everyday and causing you to go into those cycles. And so that's an ancient, ancient practice. And that's found in not only, um, you know, through the hermetic code of Hermes Trismegistus, but you can find that in Egyptian um, lore. You can find that in the Druid lore. You can find that in the Tao, you know, all of these ancient, ancient, the Buddhism is that we are, you know, basically, are we going to just be caught in this loop and recycle it? And that's a form of karma too. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them think, you know, if you're not doing anything with that and you keep railroading yourself into a wall over and over, you're just going to take that onto the, into the next life and reincarnate with the same things. And so I, I strongly believe that. And so I'm like, no way I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have that in the next life. And I know that in order to not have that in the next life, I'm going to handle that in this life. And it's, it's easier said than done. Um, this takes a commitment. And then, then you go into, okay, well, if it takes a commitment, then it comes down to one thing, self-love, right? Self-love really is the root of everything that we, we're, you can talk about. If you, if you are learning about how your liver works, how your kidney works, how you know, how the acids in your stomach work, how to properly food combine, what hydration truly means. Um, if you want to learn about philosophy, if you want to learn about these things, it means that you're choosing you, right? It's like, it's really right there. It's so rooted in common sense. And that's super sensible knowledge. That's logic. That's not having to tap into some hyper spirituality or do some seance and burn sage in the, in the desert and do cacao ceremonies and do all those things. Those are great. But if you're not grounded and rooted to the earth body and to the, from the crown down and have deep, deep self-love, all of that's just fluff. If you have that, you've contained that and you work on that. And don't get me wrong. Every day it's a disciplinary action. You chop wood, carry water, you become enlightened. What do you do the next day? You chop wood, carry water, you become enlightened. This is a practice. This is what the, all the ancient rituals are. It's disciplinary. 
those rooted forces of self-love give you an opportunity in this life to choose you and to choose the things that are sacrificial in a sense where it's gonna something's gonna have to die within you you know it's really powerful that's why a lot of women and a lot of their practice during their moon cycle this is a really deep time to really connect to their inner child to connect to their ancestors because they're dropping an egg in their body it's a death process it's almost like you're going through a karma in itself and just that in itself i mean like how crazy the western societies we suppress that with birth control and other things it's like what are you doing this is the most beautiful experience on earth that i can think of and i'm saying that as a man is the is that cycle that's connected to our lunar wave that uh, you know an a life part of a life channel is dying and dropping out it is i just use that as an example because it just organically came up but we are um we're, we're in interesting times and so i think i i think to myself how many there's billions of people in this world i, I don't know what the number is i don't even think they do know i don't trust the censuses it's just it's like what do you it's like okay whatever but let's just say for argument's sake there's seven billion people eight billion people right how many of the, what percentage of that population is embodying self-love is living in their dharma is living in the in the purpose of why they've incarnated here and and it, it and that's when i it hits me i'm like wow we have a lot of work to do and it is not shocking when you see what this world is you know what what's going on in this world right now when you talk about geopolitical stuff when you talk about societal norms when you talk about all the pain all the economic stuff it's cr it's crazy what what we've done to our earth you know i it's just it's out of control but that is a product of people living a false identity because if you're in a false identity you're angry and frustrated and you're reaching for things that aren't good for you and you're looking to escape you throw that in with this technology wave of social media and movies and all of these things that take us out of the present. It's like, no wonder we're just like, we're, we're in some kind of amnesia. And when you're, when you're in all those pains and you're biochemically falling apart, you don't have the right nutrients in the body. You're not properly mineralized. The electricity system in your body, because we're electrical before we're chemical is not properly working it's it's not rocket science or it's not some big huge discovery um to wonder why our populations are getting sicker and sicker and sicker and um i think now i think after what we just experienced over the last couple of years I, I i look at it as a positive um i think that there is a phoenix being birthed in so many mind bodies and souls I see it with the mothers in my life. Oh my God. With the mothers, you better be prepared. And so the mothers are standing up and they are on fire energetically. And it's drawn the line in the sand and people are looking for a call to action and people want to be part of a society that's thriving. People want to care. And I'm part of that. that that's my reality. I don't want to be part of anything other than that. And I also, just to f put a bow on this, I also look at 
when, when, you know, there's a lot of people that reach out to me and said, you know, with all the doom and gloom and, you know, people are talking about apocalypse stuff and all this kind of stuff. And I, and I, I go, okay, yeah, there's a lot of things that are pointing in that direction. There's a lot of things that are falling apart. Infrastructures are falling apart. People are suffering, but I also to take the stress off of it and to just kind of let it not take a grip of you because if you're so holding on tight to all these things and you're, you're suffering. And um, it's to see this all as like, you know, some kind of cosmic joke or some kind of cosmic giggle. And when you can let that kind of like flow out and just say like, this is, this is where we're at. We're moving through it. It takes the pressure off. And when the pressure's off, we can then make the right decisions because when you're in a place of fear, you're going to take on anything to, per- to resolve that fear. That's called problem reaction solution. And a lot of the, a lot of the old oligarchies or whatever you want to call them would use that method. They'd create a problem. They knew there'd be a reaction, a psychosis, and then they would provide the solution to the problem they created. And so that's a tactic that's been going on, on and on and on, you know? And so I'm not, I'm, I want no part of that. And, uh, I think we need to, we need to be free in our minds and our hearts and souls. And it begins with self-love. It's internal. It's changing the things that we're doing every day that could be taking us out of alignment. And, and that needs to occur, um, on an individual basis before you can think about helping anyone else. Yeah. I've had any tangle I've had with anyone on social media in a culture war sort of way. I, I concluded like, I think there's people who just won't be happy unless you're living in shame. And I feel like we don't need anyone else living in shame. That's just not a solution for anything. Have you had this experience online? Of course. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, someone's disposition of energy and frequency is magnetized to someone else. They want to off gas that, Mm. you know, they want to, that's things spread like that. That's why, you know, the law of attraction is real, right? It's beyond just, you know, you call in what you want and it comes to you. It's, it's, it's on a, um, we, it's actually been studied that that frequency, whether it's, you know, shame or whatever it is, wants to hit somebody else. You know, it wants to escape into another soul. It's like parasitic by nature, mm. you know? Okay, so there's a lot of people walking around now obsessing about their physical health. I actually saw a great tweet by a guy saying, I don't think there's ever been so many actually healthy people who are sick with anxiety about their own health. And then there are the people who are, you know, on. We yes, we have to worry about minerals and we have to worry about nutrients and we have to worry about the quality of our food but with all the podcasts and all the focus on the physical what do you think about that do you think we're talking about it too much and i could just be talking about the wellness community who's obsessed with it and outside of that people aren't but i wondered what you thought about that that's a great question you know i i think we need to have balance i don't think we need to worry about anything i think our our you know our words and our thoughts are powerful Right. And that's the word magic there is um, it's it's having passion for things and wanting to understand how they work. You worry about being demineralized if you don't understand how mineralization works. Right. So, again, it goes back to education and knowledge and information. If you're a surface person who's, you know, always just wants to get instant gratification, um, it's you're, you're going to find yourself chasing your tail a lot. And I've, I've seen that a lot. Also, you know, wh- where are we, um, 
what's the intention behind it? I, I always talk about like, what's a good example? Um, abundance, right? Um, if you're chasing money, you're not, it's going to be a problem. But if you're doing what you love and you have passion for it, the abundance will come. And the same thing with health. If you're chasing your health or you're chasing for an aesthetic to look a certain way, then you're you're going to be chasing that your whole life and you're going to be behind the eight ball. But if, you're, if your desire is to learn how your body works and to get healthy and feel good, the side effect of that is good aesthetics, right? So it's like, what are, you get what I'm saying? So it's, where are we placing our intention? And um, that is a critical, critical component to being in a sovereign state and to find a flow state that works where you're building momentum in the right direction. And I think momentum is important to discuss to the, per this question is that, you know, it, if you start doing little things here and there, you start creating more space for yourself to commit to self-love practices. Maybe it's like, okay, I'm not going to eat that food anymore, or I'm going to get off the Netflix, or I'm going to reduce my screen time, or I'm going to not go hang out with the same group of friends twice a week that are drinking till 2 a.m. or whatever, whatever it is. And instead of going to get to getting to bed at 12 1 a.m every night i'm going to commit to getting into bed at 10 p.m tonight um, i'm going to wear my blue blocker glasses as soon as the sun goes down whatever these are things that you're you're creating momentum and you also understand why they're good for you and so you're not becoming a hypochondriac you're not chasing things it's just you you you're you're your own you're your own scientist and you're you're, you know these things work and you and now you're creating a practice that creates momentum that goes into bigger bigger decisions and makes bigger shifts in your life and that's really really important that's again that's something that um, we have to take ownership for and uh, I think that creates balance in people's lives you gave us some great tips there but what what are some top other things that people can do that will help them feel better physically but can also sort of start to plug in their awareness? you know, to nature, to the natural world, especially in a place where, I mean, the, the, the desert is beautiful. We have the ocean. A lot of people say there isn't nature here. There is, but it's not so obviously, you know, a forest everywhere, but what's right. your, sort of, yeah. What's your sort of tips to sort of bring us back into balance in that way? That's a, that's a really good question because I'm a forest guy. I mean, if you saw where I'm at right now, I literally oh. live on the top of this cliff with trees and gardens and the Pacific ocean. And this is my, um, this is my climate. This is where my body acclimates to. I'm, I, I like that moderate temperature, cool, um, California weather. Um, and you know, sometimes Hawaii too. Um, I, the heat is something that, um, doesn't really work too well for my disposition. So I was thinking about the desert and thinking about, so should we speak specifically to the desert? And the heat, because we're, we're, we're heading to 50 degrees, you know, we're heading to 50 degree days now. And um, yeah. <laughs> so that's 50 Celsius. So what is that? Like 105, 110? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's hectic. <laughs> that's a great so, word. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it's, uh, you know, I think you build a faculty when you start getting in that rotation, right? So if I was living in the desert for 10 years, then my body adjusts to that. And that's how the body works. We're, the body self-regulates. It's pretty fascinating. It makes total sense though, right? Um, sitting in air conditioning all day long is probably not the best bet. 
right? Because you're, you're, you know, you're, you're taking oxygen and air and other, you know, other materials that are in the, in the air and you're condensing it. And it's, it's not, it's not what the human body is designed to breathe. And that causes, um, immunological problems. And so I'd have to look deeper and understand it better. But I think with, you know, certain plants and certain filtration systems and other ionizing things that you can add into your home and things of that nature, that is critical if you're going to be living in air conditioning. And so I want to, I want to look into that and do a deep, deep dive and investigate that. That's really important. As far as, you know, your, your sun exposure, obviously you have an abundance of sun there. My whole thing would be if you, if you're from there and you've been experiencing that, that means that your body's melanin production and your body's ability to adapt is, is used to that. And so getting that rising sun, that first like hour and a half of the sun exposure on your body would probably be the best time to get full sun exposure or right before sunset. And that time, for, I, I don't know, I don't understand that hemisphere well, but from, um, I would say from 10 a.m. to probably 5 p.m., you don't want direct sun exposure on your face and body, especially not on your face. And um, I'm a big fan of the sun. The sun is our, is our chief operator of all things immune system and all things biology. In fact, if you don't get sun exposure on the rise, then there's no way you're getting good sleep. It's the sun that activates, you know, melatonin production. And we need that on the rise. And not only melatonin production, but our immune system. There's 3,000 different genes associated with, with that. And we always hear about vitamin D, which is actually hormone D. And that's synthesized through UVA and UVB light hitting the cholesterol in our skin, which then converts that into a hormone which then turns on our immune system and turns on all the different things in our body, which is so, which is so important for us. So if you're in the desert, I think a lot of movement, not full sun exposure, um, you know, definitely be wearing hat and clothes and things of that nature. Um, you also know who you are, you know, my skin color, my melanin production is going to be different than someone, um, who might be fair, you know? And, and another thing is you can't, you can't go from like one climate to another and expect it to be the same thing. It's all different. You know, you can't be wearing sunblock for 10 years and then go to the desert and expect you, you to have the same thing because your body, you, you, you've created a handicap for your body by wearing the sunblock, right? So I have friends that, you know, they wear sunblock and then they go down to Costa Rica and they go on a surfing trip and they don't wear anything for six hours and they get nuked. I mean, they're third, almost second, third degree burns. It's it's insane. It's because the body was not a pre prepared to go to an equatorial region. Um, movement is important. So you know, getting getting movement and then also grounding to the earth. So I, I I'd have to understand where the actual real earth is. I know that they brought in a lot of sand and stuff like that, and so I, I just need to understand that connection. Um, breath work, getting your breath work in super critical you know this is that's a, that's foundational um also knowing where your water is coming from again that's another thing that i don't I, I don't know yet i'm very curious on how water is working there where that water is from i'm a spring water guy i'm not a filtered water person um i drink spring water for the minerals 
um, for the life force. Oh, you know, it's it's a live water, structured water. It was water that came out of an aquifer a mile deep with purpose. That water is recognized in the body as hydration. You know, that's water that can go into the cells and penetrate into the cells and create intracellular hydration. Um, you know, people are just chugging down water and water is depleting them of so many things and they're not actually getting hydrated. So making sure you have proper salts in your diet out there, like, you know, getting Celtic sea salt um, is really, really important, especially in the desert um, because of that heat. Got to be, I think hydration might be one of the most important things now that I think about it. Healthy fats and hydration so you can withstand that. Um, or you could just travel during the summer and go into a cooler climate. That helps too. Um, it's, it's interesting you bring that up about the water because, you know, a lot of the drinking water is desalinated. Um, wow. wow. Yeah. And so oh, okay. I have made it a priority to drink mineral water uh, daily, but a lot of people think I'm, you know, I'd be acting super fancy. Like I get that from my friends and I'm trying to explain to them, no, it's, you know, that's the kind of water that we drank originally and our bodies need it. So that is an interesting thing. Let, we, let the, be, be fancy. Yeah. <laughs> cool. You can drink your desalinated, you know, Gulf water. I'll be over here with my fancy mineral water. That's funny. <laughs> it's okay. like, what do you like? It's insanity. Um, also filtration, you know, like proper filtration for showering and bathing is probably key. Again, I, I, I have no idea what the water looks like over there, the municipal water, um, what, what's in the tap. I have no idea. So I'm very big on um, making sure that you're bathing in clean water. It's almost as important as drinking clean water. You're absorbing everything in your body and you're breathing in the vapors. Yeah, it's like people just forget that you're a sponge in all levels. I did. I did forget it because I have a filter on my tap and then they said we can do your shower and then it was really expensive. And I said, oh, I'll do it next year. Because I was like, no, oh, it's what I'm drinking. That's the most important type. <laughs> no. No. You're at least drinking. You have filtrations. Yeah. Breathing in hot water that's, you know, let's just say like it's here and Southern California, the municipal tap water here is a disaster. And if you're breathing that in, it's going directly into your bloodstream. You don't have any defense systems. And the, the lungs is the fastest way to get a drug, chemical, toxin um, into the body. It's insane. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to ask you about the liver. You talk about the liver a lot on your social media. Your social media is mm -hmm. awesome, by the way. I just love it. It's like a breath of air on my feet. But you talk a lot about the liver, and I feel like people don't think about their liver a lot. People think about the liver and alcohol. And yeah. there's a lot of people walking around with fatty liver. Our liver is not working properly. I've seen 90% of people have a liver that's not working properly. Can you just give us like a little primer from your perspective on this? Because this is not, your doctor's not going to probably check your liver. The liver is it. It's the most active organ in the human body. It does the most. It is, um, it's the most, I would say, unrecognized organ in the body as well in terms of its ability to just take on the heavy burden of life. And it's not a filter. This whole thing that the liver is a filter, they just project that it's like a it's straining things. <laughs> it's not what the liver is. It's so crazy. And, Interesting enough, my father used to call me Jigar in Farsi. That means my liver. And because 
it's the liver that keeps you alive. It's really, it's really cool that my dad was, was, he was throwing that magic my way my entire childhood and up until my adulthood. Really, really cool. And so the liver is the master alchemist of the body. And we are learning more about it every single day, but it's converting everything from toxins to nutrients. It geotags everything that we digest or gets in our body as something that the body needs or something that the body has to get rid of. It's also where we store all our glycogen for the most part that we hold our glycogen outside of our muscles. And it's also, you know, where we produce our hormones, you know, so it's hormone production, uh, bile cleans the liver and it's a process that happens in a 24 hour cycle. And so if the liver is stagnated because you're polluting it with toxic foods. Let's not even talk about alcohol. Alcohol is a whole other subject, but just toxic foods. And what I mean by toxic foods is your food combining is off. You're eating, you know, refined carbohydrates, you're eating proteins, you're eating fats, and you're combining all that. All that creates a toxic burden on the liver. Those, those things should not be combined together because the liver has to take that burden on and become stagnated. Once it becomes stagnated, toxins then dump into your portal duct and then hit your bloodstream and then come out your lungs and it just becomes this whole whole process and so in order to have a healthy thriving liver we must understand food combining to the highest level and we must also be careful with a lot of the drugs we're putting in our body a lot of the over-counter over-the-counter drugs things of that nature because there is a um, there are enzymes that the liver has to implore. I believe it's cytochrome P450 that has to break down all these toxins and chemicals and things like that. And the, the liver is doing all these things and handling all these things all at once. And the statistics out there are staggering. You know, your, your liver could be 90% inactive and you still are asymptomatic for the most part. Um, and that's crazy. And that's scary. And if your liver isn't functioning properly, then your metabolic system shuts down. And then that's where people are starting to get into diabetes and all these different things. It's really the liver that regulates blood glucose. It's not the pa pancreas. Pancreas is just getting a signal from the liver to release insulin and not the other way around. So the liver is really at the cornerstone of our entire health ecosystem. And we have to properly understand it. it's not about liver cleansing and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's good to cleanse the liver, but it's also about rebuilding the liver and how to rebuild it and keep it vibrant and healthy. And so I'm, I'm going deeper and deeper on understanding the liver and really connecting to it. And the, the traditional Chinese herbal medicine doctors, uh, ancient Chinese practitioners, they knew it. The liver is where we store all of our anger and frustration. And you can relate an organ to a certain type of consciousness. And if you're quick to react, if you're easily frustrated, if you're, you know, nonviolent communicate, violent communications happening all the time, most likely you have a stagnated liver. And then physical things, you know, just the John disappearance, you know, the yellow in the eyes, the blotchy skin, you know, edema in your feet. I can go on and on. There's so many things 
that a stagnated liver does. You throw anger and frustration and eating, you know, high refined carbohydrates, then you throw alcohol in the mix and other substances. It's like you, it never had a chance. And so the cool thing about the liver is that if one day you decide, hey, it's time, let's go for it and rebuild and re restructure this thing, you have that opportunity. But there are moments where you've crossed into the too late phase. And that comes with things like cirrhosis and, and other things like that. So I'm, 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 there's so many ways to get into liver health, but um, that's just kind of a broad perspective. That's our 101. Yeah. I could ask you questions all day because I love this stuff and you are, you have such an open mind, but thank you. Thank you for- we could, We'll time. do this. Yeah, we could do we can do another round of this for sure. I'm here okay. for it. Okay. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thanks for talking to Live Healthy and excited to see how you're going to grow in the Middle East and for you to come and visit and come home. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to come home. I think we're going to be there in November okay. and that's where we're earmarking that. And um, I can't wait to just come there and meet all the beautiful people like yourself, all my brothers and sisters, and and just be part of the unfolding there. Just whatever role I have to play, I'm here for it. And it's an exciting time. That's awesome. Thank you so much. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.